It's Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs. Let's start the show with Lewis Tennant. Here we go. Guests and interviews that you're looking for with creators, innovators, and so much more. For all episodes and further info, verbalhighs.com is the place to go. All right, welcome to Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs, a podcast podcasted weekly from a kitchen bench in Kings in Auckland, New Zealand, and indeed, that's where I am. This isn't any theatre, folks. I'm at the kitchen bench. It's a, uh, I don't know, give timestamps, day stamps, funny in the old podcast, because you want that illusion of whenever you listen, it could be anywhere, anywhere, but it is Saturday afternoon, um, so I, I point that out because there may be some um, bangs, crashes, drilling noises, um, sounds of... Uh, similar to billiard tables being dragged That's a little gag there for regular listeners In terms of what's going on next door What's going on next door, folks, is progress You can't get away in the middle of that, can you? Um, not even on the sixth day of the week On the seventh day, on the Sunday, if the progress happens To be honest, you do feel like uh, stopping the progress But um, owing to the whole um, landowner a tenant landlord dilemma. Um, you kind of want to just uh, you just we just want to play your cards right. And I am unfortunately a tenant by birth. Um, so if there's some jewels and some bangs, um, I've decided I have to let my life's progress um, uh, briefly interfere with that progress. Although that progress is probably more likely to interfere with us. But please don't think that um, while the guests here, there's going to be uh, that noise in the background. Oh look, there's no noise now. Maybe said host has gone mad and it's all in his head. Hello. Um, so this week we speak to uh, a an icon. I guess that's you know it's a it's a word probably overused, but sometimes you know you do use words in the right context in terms of um, dance music culture, DJ culture in New Zealand. Uh, an iconic figure indeed, uh, Mister. Greg Churchill, I've always uh, I've always liked Greg um, on a personal level, uh, not the sort of uh, relationship where we say, hey, go for coffee, go for a beer, but we always enjoy a good chat and catch up when we see each other, and it's been that way since sometime in the 90s when I met him. Um, we've reacquainted through the good old Facebook um, and hung out a little bit. I think I went to a birthday a couple of years ago, um, but I've been meaning to get him in for a while, but I didn't, I didn't really ascertain whether he'd, uh, he, he, I was feeling him out as to whether he was being polite or not, but I said, hey, I really need a, I really need a guest this week. Uh, and he said, yeah, let's do it one afternoon this week So he did, and it was great We'll have a little bit more of a, a cordero about the cordero uh, in a second um, Aside from that, uh, students come back to work next week Taking over a new uh, audio paper I'm increasingly becoming the audio guy at work Which I have no problems with Because uh, the, the week breezed by this week working on that stuff Trying to get the studio I hadn't used up and running Which looked kind of like the Star Trek Enterprise um, sans doors that go shoop. Um Be doing some Foley. Never done Foley before, but I'm looking forward to, to setting up a Foley setup. You know what Foley is? Google some Foley. Watch some Foley. Watch some Foley unfoldy. It's pretty exciting. It's one part of post-production sound, um, where the sound effects are added by real people in real time, and it's a real art. I wish I'd known things like that existed when I was thinking about what to do with a career. I could be a, the Foley guy, New Zealand's. I wonder if there is New Zealand's foremost Foley expert. If, there, if someone knows about him or her, hit me up. Um, I notice there's a lot of women in the game. Um, because a lot of that stuff's kind of quite a male-dominated territory for some reason, but there's a lot of female ones. That was coffee. Hey, the bangs have stopped. Um, 
Now, I listen to some good podcasts. I assume that um, podcast listeners, um, listeners to my podcast, are podcast listeners in general. Um, and I don't know if I've talked about how many I listen to. It's reasonably unhealthy. But I do listen to a lot of them a week. I've actually just started realizing lately I'm not listening as much as I used to. The classic um, old man in the garage with the transistor. Maybe I'm becoming that guy. They're just on to have talking around. But I listened to three killer episodes in the last few days. Two from one podcast and one from the other. Okay, so one I recommend... Um, some people Russell Brand does their heads in uh, I quite like him um, They say he's interrupty If you listen to my podcast Then you should be fine with interrupty um, He did one with uh, quite famous activist Naomi Klein And whereas a lot of commentators these days Tend to be quite negative Or quite um, maybe fatalistic About where the world's going um, She acknowledges you know issues and problems I mean that's been her career But she's extraordinarily optimistic in the podcast But more compellingly I found um, she doesn't seem to think the neoliberal ideology is going to be as much of an issue going into the future as it has been in the past. And I won't spoil why she thinks that. I'll let you listen to the podcast and ponder that if such issues are up your proverbial alley. Um, the other one I listen to, I listen to these a lot, is uh, 99% Invisible. Some of them I find more interesting than others. They're kind of little um, vignettes. I'll have to Google whether I use the right word after this. Um, little standalone episodes about different topics. Um, more documentary style than chat style like myself or Russell. <laughs> Put us in the same boat there. Myself or Mark or Russell or Joe. Um, and the two I listened to one was about skateboarding it's called Pool and Stream and it's about um, the birth of skateboarding but then also where those um, kidney shaped pools they all started skating in LA back in the day actually originated from it might be Hungary uh, and the other one was really interesting the episode straight after that's just gone up was about how the birth control pill was repackaged but about a whole lot of other issues around the pill and women and their rights to do what the hell they want with their bodies and old school doctors etc etc so that's three recommendations um, goodness I've been going this is turning into one of those long intros I've been trying to avoid the long intros oh shit now I'm talking and it's going to keep going on and you might tune out where's the other guy to say some other stuff oh my god oh oh that's right um, like the show <laughs> Uh, like the show, like the show on iTunes. Um, please um, become a friend on uh, Facebook at Verbal Highs Podcast or just search out Dr. Tenants. Um, like uh, at Verbal Highs on Twitter. Hey, um, I'm sort of running out of uh, a reasonably steady flow of guests. So if you have any ideas, by all means, Verbal Highs at Gmail. Um, get, get, get in touch regarding anything else. If you want a private message, um, Verbal Highs at Gmail. But particularly if you have a guest in mind or you think you might want to come on now's the time to hit us up i was going to talk a bit about what greg and i chatted about but i think i've been um at it for this bit long enough now and i'm, I'm willing the drills and so on to come back if i keep chatting so uh actually one thing uh, we talk about impeachment on the podcast and here's some factoids before we go on um there were three people threatened with impeachment in the u.s uh, government's history u.s presidential history johnston in 1868 was acquitted by a single vote so dodged a bullet um clinton was also acquitted um, people think nixon a lot of people think nixon was impeached but he actually stepped down before it could happen uh, ladies and gentlemen the gentlemen ladies greg churchill this is dr tannin's verbal highs I what have I been up to? Um, well, the the greater pic. He says with a smirk on his face. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. It, it's kind of a it's a funny. It's a really. Um, I can go into very much a lot of detail with that question. I could on the on, on, on record or off record. Oh no no no! It, it, it's it's all fine. It's um, 
Um, just just like generally, um, yeah. really good, best headspace I think I've ever been in my life. Really, um, fucking hell. Um, just loving life and yeah, it, it's great. Um, you know, I'm just DJing great, one night a week. I'm slowly getting my production buzz back, yeah. but for the last three years uh, prior to this, uh, my life was a living hell. Um, I um, went through a really horrible divorce uh, lost both my parents uh, both my parents died on me Um, but I think I I went through severe depression Um, yeah lots of um, lots of dark shit eh? Um, I kind of I obviously through Tim and and Dave and stuff I I mean I don't know you well enough to sort of of check in with you about it online but yeah I kind of knew all that was going on. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, that's so, good to hear, man. But I've I've come out the other side and um, just, suppose, just just with a great zest and um, and uh, you know and I, a fucking I, cool new partner by the sounds of things. Yeah, and I I, I just milk, I think I just milk, please, Lewis. Yeah. Um, I, and I just feel really like positive, um, and 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 a sense that I've probably never felt before. Oh. Um, mm. Cool. And how about you? How's well, I can't top that. No, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I've um, yeah, interesting times. I'm um, I've decided not to uh, drink booze again. Full stop. Yes, yeah. which is which is in this in this society we live in is is an interesting one. But yeah. I found you know it's like I mean, once you get to sort of. I don't know, post 40 or whatever, people don't really turn a, bl- they don't really kind of, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, I, no, just, no one's like, ah, oh, what are you fucking up to? Or maybe, maybe it's my no, circles no, or whatever, yeah, but, yeah. but it is an, an interesting one in terms of that's the, that's the default, like, ah, oh, we've done a good this, or I want to get to know you better because I work with you. Let's go for a beer. That's what yeah, people, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. the thing they say, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. but so we'll see how it goes. I didn't drink for five years at one point. Mm. <clears throat> um, and I've, I've got to say, um, I, just, I kind of enjoy just a drink. Yeah, yeah. chartreuse. Yeah, but you know what? I've, I've given up drinking beer pretty much, and yeah. just a couple of good shots. Hate wine. I hate the effect wine has on me. Yeah, I, actually, it's funny you say that with chartreuse, because I remember from <clears throat> um, the bar I was running in Melbourne, like, yeah. you're right, chartreuse is like just a little, a little ping. Oh, and, 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 uh, and, and Yeah, and, yeah, but, but it's, it. yeah. it's almost got a, it's almost got a, drug-like quality when yeah, taken like that yeah, it's uh, like a good whiskey it's sort of a yeah it's just, it makes you it's sort of very cl- a lot of clarity as well as the oh i know as well yeah, as the booze yeah. and, but, but then but the, the other part of i'm not standing there with a beer in my hand all night or, or a glass of wine as well so it's kind of like just get that little hit that or tequila and that's it don't i kind of really i, I kind of like this ear of um positiveness as well and yeah Okay, well, um, with me is uh, DJ, um, uh, multiple award-winning DJ, uh, music producer, um, radio host, and general uh, man about the uh, music scene, Greg Churchill. Hello. Hi, Lewis. Uh, I was thinking today, like, you're, you're sort of like, whenever I've, I've chatted to you over the years, I always, I always love whatever comes forth from 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 your mouth it's always very insightful you know uh good humor and so on but you kind of pick this um this this like, what you call it an occupation this passion this life thing that actually involves not hearing a lot 
from you in that sense, but hearing a lot from you musically. So I appreciate you saying, yeah, I'll come in and chat to you for 80 minutes. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Well, you didn't say that, actually, to your credit. Um, <laughs> you started off, you were, you, you were at uni before you just, I know you're, the early part of your life kind of off-told. I, I looked around online and stuff, but um, the American politics thing interested me. Was that, a, was that a, a major for like a BA or something, or are you going to do that for master's? Uh, I started my master's uh, and I was into the fifth year and it just uh, it just bored me. Fifth year of oh, undergrad and then master's. Oh, I was into my master's at that yeah, point. My, yeah. I, I remember coming home, um, I'd shifted back to my parents' place and I remember throwing it all under the bed. <laughs> uh, just going, I've, I've had enough. And at that point, the lure of music, of student radio... Um, it was just too great. And was it, was it, have I got that right? It was a master's in something to do with American politics. Yeah. Can you, uh, what was it, can you remember what you were looking yeah, at? Yeah, I was um, pretty heavily involved with America's involvement in Nicaragua at the time. Wow. And it was, that was very topical uh, with the whole Contra thing. Um, there was a lot of meddling with the Reagan government. And, but it, Early 80s, right? Yep, and but at the end of the day, just uh, my heart wasn't into it. Uh, I wanted to pursue music. Strange time to be looking at the states um, then in terms of economics as well, because kind of everything that they did has led to where we are in the world now, right? The whole neo. Oh, I can't but help reflect on what I was um, <laughs> yeah. studying and, 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 and where and, we are now, and, and applying it to now. Yeah. Um, we'll just do an hour on politics. I just, that's what I did with Dave Roper. I wasn't expecting it. But um, where do you think we are with that, man? How do you? How do you? How do you? You just said you're in the best headspace you've ever been, but the planet's kind of not in the best headspace it's ever been. What's your take on this whole who's running the world at the moment thing? Well, you know what? Um, I've found. I, I always used to think I used to love the the four year cycle, the eight year cycle of American politics. And what do you mean by that? Uh, well, I would just suddenly find myself leading into an election, uh, just camped on the television, flicking between CNN and the ghastly Fox News, just just to see to see what um, what they were saying, what what, what was coming out, um, perspectives. It, 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 just intrigues me yeah. as, as much as the four-year cycle of the Olympics or, or the Football World Cup. Yeah. But I'm finding myself, this is kind of like a year into the year after, you know, what was six months after the election, a year past the process of, and, and I'm still sitting there fixated by what's happening yeah, yeah. In, in American politics. And I kind of, I've, I've had to do a lot of catch-up, there's, I was just going to say, do you find some days, because it's funny you say that, like, oh, I used to just kind of tune into Fox and CNN, you know, probably read the local paper and whatever. Yeah. Now I find there's so much information and so many perspectives that I think about three days after the actual American election, I just went, oh, I'm done, and kind of shut yeah. the laptop. And I just, I, I just, I walked away from it all for, for a few days. <laughs> Where do you think we're going to end up, man? What's going to happen with Trump? I, I, you know, it's like a, it's like a, almost like a bookies question, right? I, I sat there this uh, this morning uh, for about an hour and, uh, and, and watched CNN just thinking, th- this is just such a mess that's just building and building. And two or three months ago, I was sitting there hoping, you know, thinking, right, they've got enough to impeach him. But uh, he talked about draining the swamp. He's just filling the swamp with so much. And I just wonder at what point does... It just like <laughs> overflow, and it's like we've overflowed. We've got all the information we require. 
we've got him. And I, I'm, it's almost like I'm just waiting for that moment. There's that um, South Park about Obama winning, um, um, you know, yes, we can. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it almost will feel like it's some sort of celebration from the left because uh, at the end of the day, if, if you don't know me, I've been a total lefty my entire life. Nothing will ever sway or budge me from this point yeah, of generally, view. You don't but, generally meet a lot of right, uh, right-wing DJs. No, you don't, actually. <laughs> however, however, this will feel like one of the greatest victories, I think. So you think he's going to go down in some way, shape or form be- oh, before the end of his term? Definitely before the end of his term. But anyone who thinks it's, it's going to happen in the next few months is absolutely misled. Yeah. It, it could take three years. But that swap will just get more and more murkier. You've kind of done a Shrek analogy there. He's our, we've got Shrek running the world, okay? So, and two things there are just, because as, as I say in this, in this world, a sea of information we live in, um, two observations there. First one is I ended up um, on an on a internet um, treasure hunt about impeachment. It turns out only two presidents have been impeached. It's mm. actually harder than you think it is. People think, um, people think um, who's the 70s? Uh, Nixon. Warty? People think Nixon was impeached, but he actually stepped down. Before he was impeached, wasn't yeah, he? I, I don't think there'll be any impeachment here, yeah. but I think there'll be such pressure, and at some point... You think his, like, own, his own party will... Yeah, was, the likes yeah, of Paul Ryan yeah, and these guys. Yeah. Uh, um, there's, there's a great um, former Republican, Richard Painter, who's well worth following on Twitter. Yeah. Um, he's the sort of Republican we can all love. Uh, he's, he's like a professor in politics uh, at one of the major American universities. Um, he's so he's so sharp, and um, he, he's just absolutely willing to go there. Yeah, uh, I could sit there and read these guy, this guy's tweets all day, plus all the correspondence and replies that he's receiving. <laughs> so it's, it's just it's an absolutely beautiful moment for anyone who studied politics or followed politics. Well, it's good that it's good to hear that there are, as you say, people like I, mean, I hate the whole side thing these days as well. I think that's really tired and unproductive. But essentially, someone on that side, um, you know, if there are people agitating. The other thing I was going to say before we move off politics is I, I just think visually, and this is such a you know amateur stab in the dark from where I am, but I've just been noticing lately visually, Trump looks like he's. Uh, He's starting to crack a bit. He's sort of staring off into the distance, and I, I just think he's... I don't know whether he... Will he personally last the distance? I don't know. I don't know. Christchurch. <laughs> yes. Early 80s, politics. Don't want to do the major. Um, Discover Student Radio, which is something I did at uni as well. Um, bless them, when they used to be up on campus everywhere, which is, I assume, where you found them. Um, but you start playing music that no one else is playing. How'd that work out? Was that sort of like... Were you frowned upon back then, or...? No, uh, there was sort of a, a sequence and a, a lead-up of events that sort of got me there. Um, I found myself being intrigued by this writer in Christchurch when I was still at school called uh, Rob White, and he wrote the reviews in the Christchurch Star, which was like the major um, daily before the press became number one. Yeah. And I was just intrigued by all this music that he was writing about back then, which was kind of you know, the alternative, more the alternative American stuff. Plus, on top of that, Barry Jenkins yeah. and what he what he was playing. I didn't realise he was syndicated throughout all of New Zealand. Yeah, right, so right, right. Um, I just remember hearing, reading what Rob was writing, hearing what Barry was playing, and I just caught this this thing about 
um, different music. Yeah. And, I, and I even can think back further, uh, like maybe when I was 12 or 13, I was kind of buying music that, uh, like the first seven-inch single I ever bought was Parliament Flashlight. And, you know, for, for a white that's, boy... That's much cooler than mine. For, <laughs> mine was Star trek by the firm. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll just end that there. <laughs> I was um, 11. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So uh, I just, uh, there was just all these like sort of steps along the way of um, intrigued with different music yeah. and, and, and experiences. By the time um, I left school, I was that, that guy who, um, if my friends were playing, and they were playing the Eagles and Dire Straits, and I would be in the room next door and I would go in and change the music they were playing and walk out. Or we would go to parties and I would have pre-made mixtapes yeah. and I would like take that mixtape out, destroy that tape and put my tape in. Um, so th- th- there was sort of these... So, so you were kind of like both the music police and the music army at the same time. Very much so. Yeah. But there was sort of like no sort of conscious sort of um, reason or decision to, to get to that point yeah. other than thinking uh, when... Student radio became really large on my radar. Yeah, that I wanted to be part of that, and it took me about twelve months of harassing Michael Higgins, who was the station manager at the time. And he and he finally um, he took a shine to me, I think because I liked REM, and very few people at that point liked REM. Yeah. And that was very student radio <laughs> yeah. when they were on yeah. IRS before they had had any. You know, they'd only probably had the two albums at that point. Yeah. And and away I went, and but I think much to Michael's dismay, I had this secret love of um, of, of black music. That's what I was meaning in those in those slightly so, racist days so, of, of so, New Zealand. So I was able to show him this one hand, this one side of me. Yeah. Yet he was unaware that I was going to bring to the station, and and I quickly found plenty of other people who yeah. who, who shared the same love. Yeah. Um, the, the, this love of, uh, of of black music. Where are we? Mid eighties? No, we, we're we're talking early eighties. Eighty three, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So early, kind of early days for student radio really um, taking off as well. Now I've got to get this on record because I just cracked up to myself when you mentioned it before. It's, I think it's the third time of all the music in the canons of of history of the world you've brought up the Eagles. Can you please verbalise for us now exactly what it is you hate about the Eagles? When I was in the fifth form, we had a music class, and uh, and I remember at, by this point of time there was me and this other guy, and we we were we absolutely loved the Police, and I think his name was might have been Nick, and he would sit up the back of the class, and I'd kind of faintly join in as he sang Roxanne, much to the dismay of whatever class we were in. Anyway, there was this one guy whose name I can clearly remember, but I'm not going to name him. He thought it was really cool to bring the fucking Hotel California in for music class to listen to it, as well as Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells, which, I don't know, maybe I should go back and have a listen to that. But anyway, my hate of the Eagles began at that moment when I was in the fifth form. And, you know, we're talking 1978 by now. So punk rock. 
is yeah. kicking. And the and, Eagles and, versus <clears throat> punk rock is like, you know, that, that kind of sums up everything, really, doesn't it? It t- totally sums it yeah. up. And, and you know what I love about that? Hotel California has just haunted us from there on in. You just can't escape it. And, and, it's, and it's really hard f- for, for people who, um, you know, maybe 10 years younger than me, they sort of maybe look at me like, how can you hate the Eagles? And it's like, you did 10 not, years younger. But, <clears throat> but, no, yeah, but, you weren't there. You weren't there. That, that, <laughs> that's the point. And, and the whole thing with, with punk music and what happened, and, and this was the great thing about student radio, I think right across New Zealand, is the, politi- the, the political side. Yeah. Um, the lyrics, just the, there was... This is where I am it today. Was, it was an era of change here as well. Punk yeah. came on through... You know, everyone hasn't surprised me because that's what people globally say is the punk things more often than not related to the and, black and, music coming and, in thing. And, and, and then you, you, you think historically, like, we're really unaware of it at the time. Um, but w- when you look what was happening in, in New York with the punk scene there, the disco, disco scene and the hip hop scene, scene yeah. you just see how it is all so intertwined and, yeah. and just yeah. and related. It's, yeah. And a lot of my students don't know that the reason they're wearing Shelto Adidas and baseball caps now is directly traceable back to hip hop. Yeah. Everywhere. And I've, got, I've, I've got another story on yeah, that go as, on, go as well. On. Is that, um, I remember having, um, this infatuation with trainers when I was probably about this age. Yeah. Um, and my father, he had the franchise for Pony. Really? For New Zealand? For, for the South Island. He, he ran the South Island side of it. And so I worked in his warehouse, like, um, after school when I was in the first years at university. So you're all like G'd up in like <coughs> 1982. <laughs> and he had these rows and rows of Pony trainers. And, you know, and, and now Pony's just kind of off the radar. But but if po- you still had some fresh pairs of those but, from but back Pony then. But Pony back know? then was a yeah. big deal, you know. Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, Tyson was, yeah. Tyson was, you know. Yeah. Um, big, big, big. Um, even late 80s, it was big when I was growing up. Um, kind of PI fashion, big hip hop kind of Pacific Island fashion in Wellington. I don't know about the rest of Imagine if you'd held on to at least one of each of those pairs of those oh, shows, I, man. I, there was that uh, documentary know? that came out about, um, and, I, and I think it was like, um, Ian Brown from the Stone Roses and someone else, and they they, they went to this shop that had been discovered in somewhere in Argentina. That the the guy who owned it was refusing to sell any of the stock, and it was just jam packed. It was like a warehouse full of old school Adidas. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that and, one guy <laughs> sitting with that old cash register. Yeah, and um, and, and, and I just think back now to. That warehouse that I worked, this cold old warehouse that I looked after for my father. For I'd be filling out the orders for a bit of extra money to get me through university, and there was just like rows and but rows. Were of you them. rocking the pony to you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I've even got photos. <laughs> so back then, other thing back then, I'm like, you know, it's like one slow boat from England, as it were, with a with a three week old copy of NME, you know. I used to em- I tales, tales of, of, of airline stewardesses bringing in records and so on. But mm. another thing I read today in my two minutes of research um, is in the midst of this kind of, you know, much different um, environment to today in terms of all of that, um, there's a bar called Romanos full of, um, full of American um, soldiers and so on. So this is 1989. Yeah. And, um, so why are they stationed yeah. here? Well, Christchurch had the, uh, the, the Air Force base. Right. That then went to McMurdo Sound or Scott Base or whatever the yep, final yep, destination yep. down there was, and so during summer, you just had this like influx of um, American military. Military, yeah. I was going to say soldiers, but no military. So they, and then, so they had tunes with them, and 
they had tunes in their head yeah. and they had experiences. And I remember the first year in 89 when we took over this Tuesday night at Romanoff's in Christchurch. Uh, they were all from like New Jersey. The bulk of them were from New Jersey. And 1989, New Jersey, it was like, that was like the biggest house scene. I was about to say, I didn't, I didn't want to get my date wrong, but I was about to say house music. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like um, in, in the world. Yeah. And these guys wanted to hear house music. Did you find it for them? We had it for them. Yes. And they, they, they loved us. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, they're like, we're in kind of bubble fuck and, on the and, other side of the world, and, and this guy's and, and, playing. And maybe, um, when I sort of reflect now, part of the reason why we were able to, like, so easily, like, to sort of push this house music at the time was there was this influx of black American military. Military who came in and they danced, and they, this is what they wanted to hear. And we had the tracks records of the DJ Internationals and that, and, um, you know, all, Phase 2 reaching. And well, what, what did that involve, Greg, back then? Were you working at a record shop where you just, was there a distributor you were ordering off, ordering off in the States, just like, just like went through the 90s and 2000s? Is that how um, you were getting them? Or no, were you sending off the back of... You well, know? Um, funny enough, I bought the, my first... House records I ever bought were in 1986, I think, yeah. from Scott Bollock yeah. in Palmerston North. And I also had a friend. Who, he was the, the There guy, you go, Palmerston North. That's house music history right there. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I had a friend who owned a bookshop, and yeah. Dave Ramston, and he had owned record stores in, in Camden. And that Dave was probably 10 years older than me. Yeah. But we had this underlying love of house music. So we just decided we, we couldn't get it. We just we just started bringing it in, and there would be we'd have a crate at the front of the counter at the bookshop. So through the bookshop, you got an account at some distributor like yeah, Watts it, or whatever in it, the it, states in New York. Um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely in New York. Yeah. and I, I remember those excited trips out to the airport to bring you know these two boxes of records back. We'd take what we wanted, um, and we'd sell the rest. And Which is kind of the system that went through till about the early two thousands, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So w- we were well and truly flush with um, w- w- with good tunes, and uh, prior to that, we bought we'd bought a lot of compilations, and we quickly worked out that we were also required the twelve inches. But, um, but, but when it came down to it, when when we started playing, we had ample fuel. When I started um, DJing, much later than you, admittedly, those compilations early on. If you had, if I had a good record stop shop employee. Who could recommend me a good compilation on wax? Those really got me on my feet because they got me like thinking about what I liked and what I yeah, didn't. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you'd, I don't know things like I'm trying to think back then, stuff like dope on plastic compilations, all that kind of early mid nineties. Yep. Those comps, they kind of, you know, without those, I would have been kind of spending three times the amount of money to figure yeah. out the same things I was trying to figure out. And the, you the, know, the, they're all relatively DJ friendly. The, the, well, that's right. They're pressed well, two yeah, aside if yeah, they're yeah, done well, yeah. three aside. You know, yeah, not like yeah. twelve aside on no, some of those no, late eighties. Comps, you know, um, I reckon there's something in that um, that influence of the military here. And I've only started learning about it lately because I've got this heaps older colleague at work, work. He's actually at professor level, and he's really into his music. But I thought he was a real kind of um, just white music sort of a guy. Right. We went out for a few beers, and he was talking about how in the seventies, same thing. I think he lived down south, and he had this huge knowledge of funk and soul. And I'm like, where did you get that from? And he told pretty much the same story you did but I think in the 70s in Christchurch, where he was um, turned on to a whole lot of music they had on them. 
Right. So it's a, it's an interesting history because a lot I don't I didn't even know we really had American military here, right? Do we still? I don't even know. Do we still have American military? Surely, I think it's surely because I don't think probably the um, the numbers are what they were. Yeah, like twenty Cause, years because we're not as that's right because we're not as strategically aligned, are yeah, we? But, but I still think uh, Christchurch is the last point before they head to the south. Right, that would make sense. Um, so around that era, late eighties, um, you ended up probably one of the best places to be in the world at that time, which is in the UK. For 88, 89? Uh, 89. Was that quite the uh, eye-opener? Oh, it was seriously unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, even the first time walking down the street. And, like, I, I lived in Holland Park, you know, just, yeah. just straight off Notting first, Hill. First sojourn outside of around here? First big over OE? Oh, no, I'd, I'd been away a few times. Yeah. But um, this is the first time to the to the UK. Yeah. And, and so I arrived on a Saturday... Um, and so, living in Holland Park, and the next stop is Notting Hill. Yeah. And I'm just itching to get there. I'm a bit of a wreck on the Saturday. I remember getting up on the Sunday, yeah. and I arrived. It was about this time of the year. It was like peak of summer, which really, for me, wasn't much of a summer, but apparently it was the best summer that had in 20 <laughs> years anyway. And seriously, like, walking down Portobello Road for yeah. the first time on a Sunday afternoon... I don't know how many records I bought. Uh, here's me talking about house music, but I bought so much reggae and so many reggae 12s yeah, yeah, yeah. that day. Yeah, and you hadn't even got to Brixton yet. No, and I didn't even have anything to play them on <laughs> yeah. when I got back home. Yeah, yeah. It's funny with the music things, eh? like when I first got to London, um, I, I, I just don't get the logic of this now. I was really into um, American house music at the time. So here I am in London buying imports from the US, not even thinking about it like yeah. that. Um, the day I got there was um, the day before bank holiday, and I went to Notting Hill and didn't even. Like, someone said, "Oh, this thing called Carnival's on." Right. I, I think I wept on the second day. Like I, I, I don't think I've really wept tears of joy. Yeah. But that, I remember that I wept through just like, oh, I can't. This is too much overload. Um. So what did the summer of love look like? It's kind of like a tagline for an era, you know. But was there something in the air? Oh, it, it was. <sighs> How do you start? Where do you start? It I don't was know. it was just it was something else. Yeah. To um, I'm not even sure how to. Exp- it was just everywhere. It was there was just there was so much to do. Yeah. Um, I I remember being at the Soul to Soul Sound System, oh, and it. they were recording the latest Rebel MC video. And if you look at some point in that video, you can see me. A uh, guy in pony gear in the corner. I, 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 oh, no, I had a, had a grey new balance track on. I was yeah. the only white boy, and I'm da- dancing out of time with everyone else. Um, you know, like, there, there was just so much on. I, I remember going out every night of the week. I, I didn't go there to work. I yeah. blew all my money. I had to sell my saxophone to pay for my airfare home, which I did like in late November because the weather was starting to kill me at that point and, and the sun had gone and the fun was over. But, and I had so many records at that point that I'd bought and I just wanted to bring them home and start playing them. And you're pretending that your bag's really light at check-in, but it weighs about 60 kilo and you're trying not to buck- oh, buckle I, over I, I, as I you came check-in. home with a mixer and bags yeah. and... And then I... They let, good on, they let you on. They let you on. 
Because you hear horror stories of people getting charged like hundreds of pounds to bring all that stuff back. And did, did, you must have um, got to know the locals pretty quickly and found the um, the kind of warehouse um, empty field scene of the time as well. Did you do some of those? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I often look at a few of those uh, videos that go up online um, at, and wonder, was that that one? Or that? Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes look at them and go... I'm glad there weren't a lot of cameras and so on around while I was dancing yeah, back yeah, in those yeah. days. I quite like it being up here. Yeah. Are you, are you with me there? Totally, yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I can still picture yeah. really clearly the first time I'm walking down the side street um, yeah. off Portobello Road and a guy offers me an E. Yeah. Well, and, I wasn't going to ask I, Greg, but yeah. And I was, um, I was shocked. I was horrified. I didn't know which way to look, whether I was being set up here. Is this and, during the day or actually going to a party? It was during the day. Oh, the summer of love. Um, and I'm, I'm like, no. <laughs> but yes. No, why would No. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> no, it, it, took me, it took me a little bit. It might have taken me another week or so. You know, I went home and you know, had a few conversations with people. Mm. Just to go, I'm not going to end up in jail for this. No, I think they've gone mainstream. And talk about, you know, um, talk about a perspective changer on top of everything else. Um, those things taught me to think about the world a little bit of a different way. You come back to New Zealand, um, that must be a sort of cultural, weird cultural shift as well, coming back from that to back here. Um, how did you deal with that? You came back energised or kind of like, oh, oh, what do I do energized. next? Or? And I, in many ways I've seen other people do this where, you know, people have come back from Melbourne or they've come back from Berlin and they're just like fizzing with what they've experienced and they just want to bring it back and go, hey, fuck, this is what it's all about. Which is and, how and things listen kind to of these tunes. built and, back here. And that's then, exactly yeah. the person that I was because I sort of see them now and just go, just, just calm down a little bit, okay? Because it's <laughs> not going to work out as you're um, expecting. Let Uncle because, Greg bring you down be, here. Because with- I came back and I remember... Um, I got my records back and I'd be up all night practicing and mixing and just getting the head and I couldn't wait for that Tuesday night and guess what I bring Black Box back you know no one's really got it in New Zealand at this point clears the dance floor yeah all these tracks clear the dance floor and I'm like wow Digital Underground I played that cleared the dance floor you know Six months later, they're the biggest tunes in the club, and no one's remembered that you were the first person to Black Box to play made, the, made it onto commercial radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it taught me a lesson that you know, favorite having favorite tunes as a DJ can be a really risky job, um, and I, I just remember those first few times, my excitement playing them, and my utter disappointment as people just looked up at me in the booth going. I'm not really keen on this one. Do you think there's also such a thing as being too far ahead of the curve? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and again, it all comes down to um, you've got to play your crowd, you've got to play your city. Like, sometimes I'm, I'm bewildered by how people will embrace, not embrace New Zealand music, um, we will embrace New Zealand film and culture, but we fail to sometimes embrace a club life. Yeah, and and you know, and how you know, I played in Wellington what a couple of weeks ago for the first time in years, and it totally lived up to my expectation in, in everything. But at the same time, it was quite a lot different than what Auckland is. And can this, you this, this, what, what, can you explain that? Uh, I'm really interested in that, eh? Because I was going to ask so, you along so, these sometimes lines. these are just like feelings. Um, 
and, and it can just be to do with the environment yeah. and the room. It felt every bit as good, but it felt so quite remarkably different as well. Yeah. Um, just as like I'm playing in Queenstown in a few weeks, I'm doing like three gigs down there over the weekend and, and who, who knows what it's going to be, but these ideas are sometimes trying to recreate what we've experienced overseas. Um, I think can at times also be a little sort of disrespectful to what is already established. Or or maybe like, you're like, I totally hear you. Or maybe like, because you're trying to sort of consciously or subconsciously replicate something that's gone before it, it's somehow weirdly forced, even though you don't yeah. mean it to be, yeah. because you're like, shit, 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 it's got to be like this again, it's got to be like this again. Yeah, it, I, it, I do that with all sorts of things, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so Wellington, you know, different, like, um, <clears throat> have cities sort of, because, you know, you, you've almost, you're almost like a, you'd be a great person to mine for the psychology, you know, human psychology, especially local psychology. Um, have the cities changed over the years? Is playing in Wellington now different to playing in Wellington in the 90s? Um, no, I've, I felt uh, it was every bit as good as then. And it, it actually felt better. It'd probably yeah. be my favourite set I've ever played in Wellington. Wow, where'd you play? But, sorry? Where'd you play? Uh, it was uh, Plymouth... Oh, okay. I'm uh, so uh, out uh, of the loop. I, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, and, and what I reflected upon then maybe, you know, when I was playing in Wellington quite regularly in the late 90s, early 2000s is, you know, what part of the reason it might be better now, because I'm actually probably a better DJ than yeah. I was there. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so little little things like that. But um, I think, it, and I've often, I've held Wellington in such high regard as that, for me, it was kind of like... Uh, it's I, a nerdy little art city, yeah, but, 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 but it but, likes to cut loose and party. Yeah, but, it, but it, it has this sort of love, this underlying love and appreciation and acknowledgement. not saying that Auckland doesn't, but it's a little bit deeper. Yeah. It's probably... Tough, tough, yeah. tough one to really sort of qualify, Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm here. But, but, I, I, you make but, sense but, to me, at least. But for not having really played to uh, that, that crowd, sort of excluding the oral trash years where it became the DJing down there became a bit of a different sort of ball game so yeah. but going back to when it was just all it was about me um not much had changed yeah if, if anything had changed really at all and so you said a few years had you, had you actually not been down there and played in quite a while uh it'd been about four years yeah right yeah, yeah. and so then what about let's say you go to Christchurch what do they expect their kind of Quite. This is very summative. <laughs> what's different? To, what's what's Christ, how's Christchurch different to Wellington, Auckland? Christchurch uh, in Wellington, I felt like I could keep it really deep all night. Yeah, and and I, I did for for most of the night, and then just sort of really stepped it up at the end. Uh, a, a difference with Christchurch is, I think you could do that for a couple of tracks, and then I think the expectation would be. Um, I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but I always feel the expectation is to bang it out a bit is, more. Is, it needs the BPMs need to go up a bit, and yeah. it needs to be banged out a bit more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Small towns in New Zealand that you found surprising little pockets of uh, um, party over the years. <laughs> they've all been. Some of them have been great. Like thinking about um, 
Whangarei. Yeah. Had some amazing gigs there. Yeah, right. Gisborne. Yeah. Again, incredible. Yeah. Um, New Plymouth. I've had great gigs in New Plymouth. New Plymouth. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even Palmerston North. Yeah. Um, the, the, they've all had pluses. Um, I remember speaking to, um, I think it was Evan from Concord Dawn once, and he'd been to like Westport or somewhere. Yeah. And I think we, we we found him um, at the uh, waiting for the bus. Sorry, even if I'm telling on you, but um, no, I think he'd been to Nelson actually, and he just looked like a mess, like he'd been to bed all <laughs> sitting night, sitting on his crate crying. Um, but but yeah, so yeah, and again, Nelson's always been absolutely. Well, amazing. hang on, you haven't told the Evan story. Yet. Yeah, but, oh, you, but that no, was no, the story. Yeah, this is part of the story. I'm is sure we've all been there. He, uh, he 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 told us about he'd played in Westport and Timaru somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes you go, yeah. And again, just nothing but love. Nothing but love. Yeah. Promoter put him on a bus at eight in the morning. Oh, <laughs> and, he, he, and, and he still had to go back to Waiheke Island where he was living at the time. <laughs> and then you moved to Auckland late nineties again. You know, I don't want to. Mid, you've mid, sort of repeated. Oh, sorry, mid nineties. You know, um, yeah. you. I've noticed you've had to repeat a lot of the stuff in various press sojourns over the years, but. Um, pretty unusual to 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 move to ask a DJ to move cities then to go into a a, a new club. Um, those years, um, how's Auckland different? Is it any different now? I I kind of get sick of. Uh, I will answer your question. I will. Yeah. I get sick of people talking about the good old days. Yeah, I was just as it came out, I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't asked that. No, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm, I'm serious. I did, yeah. and you, and because, <laughs> because for me, I, I think didn't say I, they were I, the good old days. I think right now are the best of days. Yeah, these are the best of days. Trump. <laughs> yeah, as we watch him, his demise. Um, like, musically. Smartphones, but, 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 but again, it's like well, no. Sorry, I'm sorry. The, yeah. Why are these the best of days musically? That's awesome to hear. Uh, I, the, the, the crowds, the, the the crowds I play to, you know, I had an f- amazing crowd in Wellington the other night. Um, I have amazing crowds every Friday at Ink Bar. Yeah, they, they just they're on the floor the whole night. Now, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm a better DJ than I was then. Maybe yeah. I wasn't as good as everyone told me I yeah. was or I thought I was. And maybe I'm just a hell of a lot better at, at, at reading a floor and working a floor now. But there's always factors that create the bigger picture. And I, the bigger picture is I actually think the, if I had a choice of playing the Worcester Bar in Christchurch, the Box, Calibre, Early Ink Bar, considering I've been at Ink Bar for 15 years now, or late Ink Bar, I would take right now over, awesome. over all of them. I need to get out more. Um, how do you manage those hours these days, man? I suppose it's only once a week. I just find that I just find that um, I just I, I get tired earlier now. Uh, so you're just so in 15 years, I've got to do that at that time. Your body kind of knows, yep, it's, hmm. it's that time of the week again. Uh um, Leah and I might go out for a drink after she yeah. finishes work on a Friday, but by nine o'clock we'll probably be back home. Yeah, uh, she not, well, most of the time she'll she, she'll come out, but we'll we'll go to bed at nine nine thirty. Oh, you have a little nap before you go uh, and do yeah, it. it? Yeah, it's just religious now. Yeah, go to bed between nine nine thirty, sleep to eleven, get up, two to three shots of tequila, boom, in a cab, 
at Inkbart ready to go. That is the thing I've never you know been able what? to do. You know, that's the thing I've never been able to do is those micro naps. That's what fucks me up. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I can do eight hours or nothing. Oh, there's been a few times where I've been out and it's just like, oh my God, how am I going to get through? And I don't need to be doing it like this because it's, it's too hard. And it, and then you just go into the mind games with yourself of, I, and I hate that feeling of hitting the wall. And I've only felt like I've hit the wall once probably in the last three or four years yeah. where I've been playing and it's like, oh my God, I've got another hour to go. And thankfully, what was it a thing about? Was it a private party? Yeah. yeah. Um, just going to autopilot. And, and I, I, I just felt myself slowing down. Yeah, yeah. And I just find that that nap, a few shots and bang, my mind feels refreshed and it's... Um, there you go, folks. 90 minutes of sleep, three shots of tequila, one taxi. But, but, but apparently they say you, you, sleep works in 90-minute patterns. Right. So... Basically, if you like set your alarm for for ninety minutes, and I've got an app that sort of predicts it, um, allowing yeah. just that time for you to fall asleep. I think Get into a little bit of REM. I think it allows for, for fourteen minutes, um, and you and if you just work on ninety minute cycles, you you can wake yourself up feeling really sharp. And then you said um, you're back in the. Did you say you're back in the studio again at the beginning? Um, I've got everything ready to go again, and what do you, what, what do you what do you what do you think you're going to be making? What, what sort of? Uh, I've, I've got on? like 200 unfinished tracks to start with. Really? So even if I don't, even if I just feel like um, finishing those, and and usually it's, it's easier just to pull up a session and then I'll start tinkering with it, and something fresh will Are come out. Are these from the last 10, 15 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So all sorts of styles because you went you went in a really different direction with Angela. Eh? I'm not sure I was I was living here then, but yep. that was a real change in direction of sound, eh? Well, you know, I, I reflect on it now. At the time, it was at time a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah, personally, house music needed it. House music had become where are we? 2004. Yep, yeah. house music had become really dull and boring. It had become nothing but it felt like the most dull end of paper recordings. Boring, or I think I think. I'd leave paper out of the out of the equation, <laughs> yeah. but I would definitely bring in anyone who you just used a sample in a loop and opened the filter, and, and just thought putting some drums on top of it constituted yeah. house music because it no longer did. And oh, do you mean people were sort of banking on the success of house music? Like- well, it, it, it had just become. For for me, it was beige and bland, and yeah. there was no excitement. And I keep saying to. Nick Dwyer and to pressure, I said, "Why can't house music have those bass lines that drum and bass has got?" Uh, like they sounded exciting. Yeah. They, they were like, you know, I was feeling that shit. And then Electro Clash came along, which really appealed to me. Um, you know, uh, the, the the punky side of it, and for me, it felt like a fresh take on dance music. It reminded me. It's of, got more of a. It's got a lot kind of live music feel meets yeah, dance music, and, and it know? reminded me of going out and dancing. Um, in, in the early to mid eighties yeah, as well, yeah. uh, and who, who who said these are the parameters? For me, it, it basically paid immense homage to to Cabaret Voltaire and to um, <clears throat> you know, oh God, I can't remember thousands of bands. But I and, guess you know you're saying people were like funny about it with yeah. you. It's, I guess people, but they were like they had the they had the rug pulled out from under them. But you couldn't go on doing the same thing. Well, and, and as I say to yeah. people, well, you've been listening to house music for five years. I've been listening to it for almost twenty years yeah, I've now. Heard the, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Um, I took a punt playing house music in the first place, so I'm kind of turning my back on it at this point. And like electro clash should have morphed into electro house. You started and, making uh, it as well as playing it, right? 
Yeah, yeah. and and then this thing with Angela just just took off. And and so she was the other person really into Electric Clash at the time, and you found each other. Yeah, kind and, of and, thing. and she, she was a good friend, and we we found we'd go buying records, and we had we ended up having the same records, and you know we we started doing the show on BFM. George came along and poached us and paid us money to do a radio show and um and suddenly like we had the second highest rating show on george wow. and you know we were putting on gigs that were you know pulling you know a thousand people at a time yeah. and, and 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 it was just like this great roller coaster and there was great music being being made and produced by the end um i sort of fell out of love with the music i felt like it had got too hard i was kind of over it i was searching for something different but what had happened yeah by the time we called it quits is it felt like house music and it probably happened a few years early had rediscovered itself yeah it went back to the blueprint of house was a drum machine and a mono synthesizer yeah and that's what it felt like yeah house music had rediscovered because Electro had essentially did, did that. All they did with the bass line was pretty much a ri- initially was open the filter up yeah, on the yeah, bass line. Yeah. And it felt like House and, tech, and Techno was, was doing it as well. Um, I've never considered myself an expert on Techno at all, but it felt fresh. There, there was, there's always those, those reactions. When something goes hard, people will go, just chill the, the fuck down. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and there was that whole new strand of Deep House that came through. Yeah. And you could feel those big bass lines again. Yeah. And it had the funk in it. And for me, it was just like, whew, that was 10 years of going full tip. What's was the it, 10 years? Electro Clash? The, the, no. the oral trash thing. Yeah, was it 10 years? It was 10 years, Goodness. yeah. And, um, and it was like, you know what? Whew. I fell, I fell in love with house music again. 2004 to 2014, Electro Clash. Pr- pr- pretty much, yeah. And so the early part of it passed me by, bro, because I was living in Melbourne and I was in my own kind of pocket of music. Um, just this, just for the nerd in me, what are some artists I can check out from when you first were like, fuck, what's this? Wow. Got any, anyone come to mind that I can go back and retrospectively check out in the Electro Clash? Uh, oh, God, let me think. Um no, I can't remember off the top of my head at all. <laughs> you're like me. You're like me. You're like me. I play. I used to play all these records. I don't know the names of them. Sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot. It's like the, some of the breaks guys, like yeah. early plump DJs. Yeah. The, the great okay. thing was, it just wasn't like four four. There was yeah, yeah. just that breaks influence, which I just absolutely adored it. Eh? Yeah. Uh, plump DJs, the early Stanton Warriors stuff. Oh, uh, that's interesting because that was called Breaks in Aussie, so that's yeah, yeah. Electro Clash. Well, no, it was sort of tied in under under this big umbrella, which was kind of like mixtures of. And you're uh, right; it is kind of house and drum and bass and, and, and hip hop and, and, and a bit of everything. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So people who are not uh, people, some of our listeners are going, "God, it's getting a bit. It's getting a bit nerdy now. It's getting a bit." Oh, it's going to get nerdier. It's going to get nerdier. <laughs> I don't get it. So okay, and then you rediscover house music. Um, you're doing some. Some masterclass sessions were you teaching for a little bit? I never knew you taught. What's a masterclass session? Oh, those were with the British Council. What, 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 uh, really? Yeah, no. yes. Uh, yeah, I did a couple of those. And what, then they what, said, what, are they, what does that mean? Uh, I, people wanted to come and hear me talk about DJing. Cool. In New Zealand? Yes, yeah. But the British Council did it in New Zealand? The British Council sponsored me and then I went out Because you're the, playing British music? 
No. Uh, i th- not really sure how it all came about no. when I try and think about it. But then they sort of flew me over to the UK as well. Wow. And it's used a public space here, like one of those sponsored talks, and people would go, come to go to yeah, see Great Chat. I, I think we did. Uh, there was one in the town hall. Yeah. And wow! The, and the, 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 the whole town hall. Yeah, and then the ATS just you there. speaking on the headline. Me and Jim Barron from Crazy P. Wow! Yeah, that's really crazy. And I can't remember who the second one was. And so who'd you go? Who'd you talk to in the UK? Oh, they just flew me over there and let me play some gigs. Really? Yeah. The British Council, I don't know if you're aware of this, back in the day, um, I don't know, this is only my experience, I don't know if it happened in the 80s or whatever, but um, people like John Pell, who were promoting yes. acts like Mad Professor and so on, there was there was British Council involvement to actually make those gigs happen here. Right, Because it was, okay. a, you know, early on it was a big funding risk. So they've I, I, I really, think, uh, really supportive of quite esoteric and yeah. underground activities, it sounds, you know. I think Lightspeed and Chris O'Donoghue may have been involved in some yeah. way, and Julian Cook. Because you think, you know, something like that, if you hear the British Council, I don't even know sort of who they are and stuff, you'd yeah. imagine they'd have quite sort of twee, conservative taste. But no, here, here you no. go, they do these. Yeah. I saw, um, actually, that's when I, I I watched both of them. There were two parts. You did a on the couch thing with Red Bull that was super interesting as well. You know, they're still floating around online. Just someone chatting to you very much like this. Do you remember doing that? Yes, I do. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a good listen too, folks. Um, you talked, you touched on it a little bit before, and I've I, it's something I struggled with for years, even maybe with the perception of people like my family and stuff. Um, you've been doing this so many years now. Do you think that like dance music and DJing and clubs and that whole thing is still weirdly? Represented, or sometimes you feel like people just still don't get it, and nah. so on and so on oh. and so on. You know, have you faced that? I mean, not that you, you'd care either way, but have you kind of faced a bit of that? Sort of, what are you looking at? Man? It's Lisa. Oh. <laughs> Can't see you. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it, it, it's it, not like that we're a rock band. It's like yeah, it, it certainly was for a long time, yeah. and it, it kind of people often said. Um, oh, you know, it used to be quite grumpy DJing, and it was like, well, it was kind of more like, just, I'm just trying to keep my head down here and just hope that you like it and, yeah. and do my best. And, and these days it's... Oh, like, no, I don't, I don't mean, sorry, not you. I'm saying, like, the whole the whole dance music scene. Do you think do you think it's still kind of maligned by... No. No, not like it used to be? No. Um, oh, it, it was absolutely the inferior cousin for, for, for a yeah. long time. But I, th- I think by the time the late 80s rolled around, it was definitely stepping out of the shadow and... Um, and and you you just even have to look at like Peter Ehrlich, you know, like yeah. one of the great icons of of, of New Zealand um, rock, you know, stepping in as as a DJ with with Nice and Ehrlich and and the barriers that were, were broken down there. But I just think it's just everywhere now. You go to any given bar, there's a good chance it's going to be like four to the floor yeah. house music and and some form being played, which essentially as part of everyone's weekend soundtrack. Because I noticed when they had you on RNZ, um, what were you, oh, it was your mixtape. Um, on RNZ, which I sort of thought, would, you know, it's, it's good journalism, um, they somehow brought up um, drugs, like do you take drugs or da-da-da like that. And mm. I thought to myself, you, you haven't done that with other people who have been on the mixtape. To me it was a real kind of like, oh, this is – I put – I put DJ culture in this box, so I better ask that question. Yeah, do you know, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That's the sort of things I'm getting at. I'm kind of like, why does that need to be? You know, surely, surely that every scene has had its its 
what would you call it? It's it's um, I, I, intoxicants. It's stimulants. Why why pin that on? Why pin that on the DJ when he's coming to do a mixtape because he's been doing this thing for thirty like, years? Like, I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't really converse with or come into contact with too many musicians who. Well, and I do know many, but but they all seem to come from the same sort of strand as I do these days. But there was definitely that feeling that DJs and dance music was some sort of inferior product at the bottom of the food chain um, when, when it came to entertainment. And what's running the music industry now, folks? It's, it's some son or daughter of hip-hop or house yeah. or, you know. Right. Um, the Big Day Out Tour. How was that? It must have been kind of nuts. You did the whole... Jeepers, look at that weather. You did the whole circuit at one point right yeah uh and really that was quite a uh an important part of um an important part of my career like especially when it came to production because the people that i met on that tour um particularly darren emerson right from who had just left underworld at the time um and you know born slippy was probably like the biggest track on the planet yeah and essentially, that was his track, yeah. and uh, and he played after me at, at the Auckland gig, and I played uh, the Subway remix I had done of Disco Hoopla, and he absolutely loved it. I had it on vinyl, and he was like, "Give me that track." Yeah, and um, and I was like, I was just like, "Wow, Darren Emerson just yeah. took and asked for my track," and then he came on next track, and he starts with "Born Slippy," and I turned around and went. You can't. <laughs> oh, that's good. You've established and, and, a rapport by then. And, um, and, and he just laughed his ass off. And, and, and honestly, the place just went, it just went berserk to it. Uh, and then he played Fat Boy Slim, uh, you know, you know what is Rockefeller like, Skank or something oh, like that, one of those big one, ones. One of the big, and they weren't even released at this point. Yeah. The, the place just went to another level, and I thought I'd played r- great. But hadn't you just played a, one of the biggest sets of your life to like yeah, five yeah. or 6,000 people? Yeah. And But it just went to, an, it went to another level with him coming on. Yeah. The next morning, I had to fly to the Gold Coast, yeah. which was like the first of the Australian gigs, which would be on the Sunday. And I walk into the, I, I was, thankfully I was a Qantas club member for some reason, um, and I walk into the Qantas lounge, and there he is, and he's like, hey Greg, how you doing? And we just struck up a rapport from oh, that's that. That's great. And then Still I, in touch? Now and again, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, but but for, for, for that period of time, what, what happened on the tour, uh, like, you know, went for three weeks around Australia, is that... Um, in the evenings, because, um, you know, like, you'd play Friday, travel the Saturday to the next destination, play the Sunday. Yeah. And then you'd pretty much just have Monday to um, Thursday. You'd have the like, next round. There'd be two weekends worth or something. Uh, so yeah. then yeah. you'd just have these days. You'd be in, in the hotel. Um, and, you know, like I got to I hung out with, the, like, the Pinal guys all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, but, but everyone would be down in the – basically at the bar in the hotel. But all the big, like, huge tier rock, all the big main stage guys as well? So you're all on oh, this big thing them, together. Yeah, many of them. You know, right. like Ronnie Size was down there all the time. And, yeah. Um, and Darren, you know, I just remember just sitting there just chatting to him, like, for weeks. That's awesome. And then um, I was just – Chatting to him on, on, online one night, and he was in Brazil, and uh, I said, oh, "I've got these tracks. Do you want to have a listen to them?" 
and uh, he signed Badonka Donk the next day. And that is your biggest tune, right? Commercially, anyway, or like so sales-wise. Yeah. yeah, well, that 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 and the next one, Body Slander, both went to the uh, UK Top 100. And I'm not talking dance; I'm talking pop. Great. Yeah. And I was, I how does that work business-wise, Greg? Do you, do you see do you oh, see any money back from that sort of thing? No, because I signed a rotten deal. You know, with, with t- your mate Darren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, t- typical. Um, f- you know, like first deals that you sign yeah. are generally not in your favour. Yeah. But you're only too happy to have your tracks signed and released. And like Underwater was probably the biggest house label on the planet at, the, at that point. It was like DJ Mag, you know, it was only DJ Mag and Mix Mag really at the time yeah. and, and Jockey Slow, I suppose. Um, but they had that, it was like the label of the year. Wow. And, you know, it was just like, oh my God, I, I, they've signed me. Um, and you just like grab the pen and. Sign your signature. But you, he said you guys were mates, so how did he, he... It was just his standard record company deal. Yeah. And why didn't you... Um, I wouldn't go you... so far to say it as mates, but... Um, but... We were acquaintances, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, until the pen came out. But, but then, no, no, at, no, at the end of the yeah. day... Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and why didn't you tour off the back of that overseas? Okay, there was health issues. Yep. And I had a frightening flight uh, from here to... I had some gigs in the UK. Yeah. And I uh, I thought I was going to die, to be honest. Wow, did the whole plane think that? Uh, no, I didn't tell anyone, but I was in so much pain. Wow. Uh, uh, I, and I had, pro- I had prostate problems and sort yeah. of had, had them kind of off and on ever since but the whole experience frightened me so much so you didn't want to be in the air for a long period of time in case something happened yeah and you're yeah, sitting there yeah, and that yeah. was making it worse because of the pressure in the cabin and all that um, and so I've only ever flown I've only the furthest I've flown since then is Fiji well you just said you're getting that all sorted and you also said that you're in the best phase of your life mentally so mm. hey got to travel we'll see what happens the next 10 years but, but <laughs> sometimes when you're faced with um with experiences where you're, you're not really sure yeah. you're, you're in so much pain yeah. there's very oh. little that can be done and you just kept you, know, you just you and, just, and, you just and, kept a call on the plane didn't tell anyone yeah yeah and and, and suffered all the you know like for 27 hours ah man proud what man, man, <laughs> male pride what a silly what a silly place <laughs> we put ourselves in um so, from the big day out... Um, Put it this way, I turned down a residency in Ibiza. Wow, well, you know, you said as back, you know, you said musically, maybe, maybe, hey, head back to Ibiza at least for a, for yeah. a show or two, or back to Ibiza, to Ibiza. Um, how did you, because, you know, it's a circle and a scene that's, that's your life, like uh, anyone in, in a whatever... They come up and what they do in their world and so on. So, a, a colleague and a friend. Um, how, how did Swanee passing hit you, man? Was that was that? Uh, uh, well, I got a phone call on the Sunday night, and I was just. In Are you okay, the, okay with me? I, I yeah. think it's important to sort of talk, talk about. Uh, you know. I knew something wasn't right with him probably about a month beforehand, and we had like we used to. I was a shocking golf player, but I'd go and play <laughs> golf with him. Yeah. And there was a period of time where we were... We, he was we, good, obviously. We, we were good friends, yeah. really close. And then we kind of drifted We kind of drifted apart, I suppose. And we just sort of started... We would only see each other. Because, you know, we were sort of tied up with... Uh, you know, he was, he was going to the UK to play. I was going over there to play as well. 
Um, you know, and we'd often be playing together on gigs, and then that that, that friendship went outside the clubs to, you know, like I, I, you know, like on a Tuesday we'd, morning we'd go play golf. Yeah. Um, and 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 then we kind of drifted apart, and we didn't we'd only sort of see each other at, at, at gigs, but there was just still that that great love and fondness and and in a way because we were also like two people releasing on overseas labels you know pretty much at the same time and then i just remember uh, there was there was a gig lots of parallels and a really good friendship too yeah yeah uh, there was there was a gig um at Inc. and i went up to give him a hug and he was just i was like my god you know you're big. You need to lose some weight. Yeah, yeah. And and I just remember feeling really concerned about him after I went home. And then the next weekend, we played this gig uh, at this other club that was in in the K Road Ballroom. Yeah, that had opened. I can't remember the name of it now. But anyway, um, he, he he had a vaping cigarette. Well, someone had a vaping, and I got under the booth under where he's playing, and I was just like trying to be a smoke machine for him. And I thought it was a hilarious joke, and it was the sort of joke he would play on somebody, yeah. or he would just laugh his ass off at it. But he didn't this time. Yeah. And I was like, I, I just remember thinking, oh God, I hope, I hope I haven't upset him. Uh, and then two weeks later, he was, he was. He's obviously just standing there, kind of holding it down, feeling probably feeling. I I, I I don't know, yeah. um, and I, those just, just those last sort of um, experiences with him do kind of like haunt me a little bit. Well, you didn't do anything um, not, no, or did, wrong. Did, just, he did, was did, just not in a good way. Yeah, they, but uh, th- th- those are my like last sort of th- th- the impressions, really. I suppose, as opposed to the great laughter and yeah. and, and all the funs and the times at Caliber and him and me and Bevan and Roger and you know and there's sort of this this group of us that we, when we were playing at the box and called yeah. Celeb and and just all those hundreds of other gigs that we were constantly on on the same lineups for and um and I really was I absolutely loved the, the direction his his music had gone yeah. when we was playing out and I remember going into uh, I'd played in Ink one night and I'd gone through to, to Coherent where he was playing and and I was just like, what's this track? Oh my god, this is great, and this is amazing. And um, it felt, it felt like that he he had really pushed his sound in, in in another direction as well. It, it got a little bit more sort of techier and tough, but still with that that funk and that soul that he always brought to it as well. And and I could tell that you know he was searching for music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's th- th- something I've always admired, I've always respected, and people who uh, music that I wouldn't necessarily by myself but it's their thing it's their uh, or, yeah. or play but but I hear other people play it and and, and, and I, I I feel it and I can sense it and yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah. wow you know and often I'll, I'll find out what it is and I'll take it home and it kind of won't work in my context And but uh, yeah it's just so like, you're like, saying back with him so it sort of sounds like you know as happens with any group of friends I, I've, got, I've got soulmates who I haven't spoken to for the last five years or whatever that's yeah. just life right yeah. but but you're saying that you know even within those extended circles and so on that kind of no one really knew that his health was that bad until he, he passed yeah well yeah. As, as, as I said I, I you know maybe for the last 12 months 18 months I, I'd not yeah. really spent time with him I hadn't really seen him yeah um, and went to the funeral I heard it was you know I mean it's, yeah. a, it's an odd word to, to use but there are good and bad funerals I heard it was a good funeral 
I thought it was magnificent. Yeah, yeah. yeah amazing to see. You know, again, a sort of a a culture, whatever. It sounds like a lot of people kind of didn't know him, but he'd yeah. touched and, them and, in and some then, way, turned up as well. And then later that night at Ink Bar, I, I played, and that was just like it was perfect, really. Just the, the people that turned up, and uh, you know, I think I spent the last couple of you know, the last fifteen minutes just played his music. Wow. Where do we go from here? <laughs> I was going to ask. That's really touching, man. And uh, it's you know, it's um, it's a it's a curious thing. And I think you know, it's it's like it's uh, as tragic as it is. I think the one positive thing that can come from something like that is for the rest of us, we kind of we kind of look at where we are, and yeah. you know, and we sort of yeah, you know what I'm saying, without having to say it. Um, I was thinking back to before when we were talk, you were talking about record labels and so on. Um, and we joked a little bit about um, the pen, the pen being mightier than the sword, as it were. Um, how would you do it now if you released music, Greg? Like, would like because you've got that luxury of just kind of putting it out there. Would you just chuck it up on Beatport or? Yeah, well, um, I've, I've actually still got uh, there's the label that Angela and I set up, yeah. uh, moved to Trash, which is still there. And I actually set up um, three years ago a new label. Uh, DNR, which I, I'd only done one release on, but I had like you know ten re- records ready to go. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think that's just what I'll do. Uh, and then there's the how do because you, you got your name from all this all this, this long period of time, but then outside of that, I guess the record company thing these days is useful just for getting noticed, right? For getting so how do you promote it? Like I, I don't know. Where uh, I, I think it, it's just good to have it out there. Post it on Facebook, bro. <laughs> Well, I, I, first of all, I think it's like just put it up there and put it for sale. Yeah. And then you've just got to almost these days just – it's been good to sit back and, and, and look at it. Yeah. A, do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, that way no one's telling you you should change this or change that because I've been down that road and you know what? They can get fucked. Well, you've also said you had a deal where you didn't see any money, so it's not like you're losing yeah, anything yeah, by doing yeah. it so, this way. So, um, but I think you've got to keep re-releasing it, and then you've just got to start giving it away. But who knows? You've also then also I think just start hitting hitting the major labels. Just look at the big ones and just keep throwing throwing stuff at them. You just you you never know. But I think you can't rely on them. To release your music, I think the best thing to do is to do the indie thing, release it yourself on a small label, and then hopefully maybe one of the bigger ones will grab it. Which is kind of, you know, when I go right back to like, you know, college indie rock or whatever, that's how they all did yeah, it. Yeah, it's gone well. back to punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. There was this weird thing where these big corporations got involved in the middle, yeah. and now we're back to like even before, before even before, um, even before. That era, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, I think it was probably the about the early '60s when when shifting units, to use the industry parlance, yeah. became the be all and end all of the music industry, you know, yeah. rather than music in general. But I, I love how we've actually gone back to what it was before that, which was actually playing live and getting out there and doing yeah, shows. Yeah. Used to be the centre of how you. And that's still bringing people together, you know. It's like, I, you know, so it's, that's the thing. But to me and all of that, it's just that, yeah, just just getting whatever it is on the map. If you can get it on the map, then you can do all those things. It's just that little perplexing, perplexing bit at the minute of how you do that first bit. What do you think of Lord? <laughs> okay, what do you think of the hype surrounding Lord? 
Um, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be perfectly honest. When I first heard Royals, there were three things that really annoyed me about that record. Uh, there wasn't enough reverb on the clap for my liking. The bottom end seemed to fart like crazy in the car, which suggested that it wasn't hadn't been treated properly. It sounded like a bedroom production. Um, and and the clap with a sneer annoyed me immensely. Now, and, and people took me as a hater, and I would say to people, "Tell me why you like the track." Very few people can actually tell you, other than oh, they like it. Like, I love it. But can you tell me why you like it? I can tell you why I don't like it. And these little things are annoying me about it, which are hindering my ability to actually, like... Access it. Yeah. But, and so, in a, in a, in a way, she went worldwide. And then the latest single, I remember when it hit, uh, the one with the piano and everything, uh, I remember sitting down and listening to it, and I had a couple of conversations on the go with uh, with people's opinions who I in the dance music and house music industry, and I said, "This sounds like a hundred other house tracks that were released." Is this in, from this latest batch of music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the UK, particularly <coughs> as opposed to the US stuff, but it sounds like a hundred other UK tracks that could have been released between 1993 and 1998. Yeah. Starting to pop a little. I'll just uh, okay. I'll yeah. um, having said that, I've had the curious curiosity of the earworm, where that track just keeps getting into my head. So it's done the pop music job. It's done the pop music job, and you yeah. know what? And I find myself um, like, well, I don't know if I like it, but you I'm, can, you can but see I'm, how it's I'm, how I'm, works. I'm, I'm tolerating yeah. it. Yeah. So and you like it better than Royals? What? But this is why I forgot to mention is yeah. Royals did that to me as well. Yeah, but, but I, I hum that fucker as well when I'm like I don't so, even I don't even play it. And so yeah. for me being picky um, and going oh there's these little elements I don't like about it, it's done its job because yeah. it's absolutely earwormed me. Yeah, and when you think of like the million other tracks out there, and that latest one just keeps popping into my head. I think you've just done a really thorough treatment of approaching that from both ends of the argument. What do you call play to devil's advocate yeah. with yourself? And you're the first person of about four or five people I've asked on this that have actually broached the question properly. So thank you. My take on it um, is, and again, I've, I've stopped publicly posting a couple of times. I did, I did once. I was kind of trolling. The other time yeah. I was a bit more constructive. Um, my thing is nothing to do with, with, with her and that amazing success story, and I'm not saying she doesn't have talent. It's not yeah. any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's a first thing there in that I think people got a little over-exuberant about the talent thing when I heard her likened to people like Prince and so on. So never mind that. But my thing with that actual tune with Royals that and then I, I realized where, where this had come from, and it's that, I guess, that luxury we have of having chased music so many years that I've realized I've probably heard a lot more stuff than other people have. And what, what Royals was to me was, even though it was, it was good, it was, it was okay, is it reminded me of very much a sound in 90s kind of trip-hoppy yeah. electronica that I've, I've heard done better, but that didn't take off. It's, it's, I'm trying to think of who I could liken it to. Do you shoot yep. me down if you think that's wrong? It's very well, well, of an era to me. One of the first comments I made on Facebook at the time yeah. is I would rather listen to Joni Mitchell, Kate Bush, or 
Liz Fraser from the Cocteau Twins. But then if you do that, Greg, you get accused of just lumping her in the female artist basket. <laughs> it never ends, eh? Um, yeah, oh, thanks. <laughs> you still doing radio? Yes. Yeah. Uh, George, you oh. Hodaki, how'd that go? Was that weird, going into, like, the rock zone and doing a dance show? Uh, or did you just sort of do it under the radar when no one was in the office? Yeah, no, no, we, it was all pre-recorded. Yeah. Uh, doing it from, to, to go in there from 10 till midnight was just an awful proposition. So, oh, yeah, yeah. so we, we would go in, uh, Nick and I went in on Wednesdays at 6 o'clock and we'd pre-record, yeah. pre-record it. It was, it was weird because it would then come on the radio between 10 and midnight and I'd never listened to it hardly. And... Do you so, need any feedback? Because the, the, the media environment's so fractured now. Was anyone like, oh, Greg, I heard your show at 10 to 12 on Radio Harry. I, I think it gets more feedback now from uh, the SoundCloud postings that, yeah. that, that Nick put up and, and created yeah. th- than it did back then. There would be, there'd be a handful of texts and there'd be the old scores going, oh, what's this music sort of thing? And, but, uh, and then when da- and David Riddler, who was station manager at the time... Had him in on here. He was great. Yeah. Was absolutely just... Unbelievably supportive. Yeah. And He's a great man. He, he truly is. Uh, I can't say enough about how encouraged, encouraging he was yeah, to yeah. us and, and, and what he taught us. But the moment he left, I think David was out the door 24 hours later. We, we were history as well. But, but then um, within 24 hours, um, I had George knocking on the door. And you know what's funny about that? You probably don't know this. So today, because I did my, my three page, obligatory three-page Google research on my guest, it was like um, In It For The Kicks, and it was a Radio Hauriki link, and I clicked on it, but the SoundCloud embedded on the Hauriki page said, this track is removed. <laughs> so so they, they'd really gone back to their rock roots. Oh, oh, you look... Um, oh, you look gutted. Yeah, no, um, no <laughs> for me, no, yeah... I was totally gutted because Hal Recky had this opportunity that obviously the, the, the bigwigs didn't believe in David's vision. Yeah, well, of, it would have gone over the head. Of creating, like, where the, this idea of where BF, what BFM used to be. Where or, all the old people who used to listen to B had gone could come. And, and, and where it was a mishmash of, um, of, of dance and indie and... Yeah, um, totally. Whatever. But... And, and, and for me, when uh, when Nick and I approached them, it was just like, this is exciting to be part oh, of. Oh, I thought it was cool, yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, it came down to ratings and, you know, and dollars and, you know, no one wanted to take Mikey seriously at all. And <sighs> He's sounding good on breakfast and he's, he's turning uh, up and he's turning up on time. I know. He's and a, he's, he sounds a little bit more humbled and I say good on him. He sounds wonderful. And I think there's this pressure, and, and I was saying to someone about this the other day, I think there's often this pressure... Um, that you start somewhere and you have to move on, you move on, you move on. But hey, I, I if Mikey if Mikey fits on ninety five BFM breakfast and he's back there and he's happy and the listeners are happy, then the man that says he should have moved on, yeah. Well, that's that man's opinion because you know. But sometimes we just have to, you know, we have to make these journeys, take yeah, these journeys right. to realise where we back. actually need to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And for me, it's how, the how same many times? At what time? Not remembers this back at George. You bet it, the it, second it, time, the third time. Uh, second time. Second time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I never thought I'd be back after yeah. I had like a, a quite a, a shit fight with the guy that was, you know, doing the roster. But 
he left about six months after that and but I'd sort of like given up hope of um of coming back and then Jay Bulletproof rang me and said let's have a beer and great um and where, what what time slot are you doing we're doing Fridays now from one to two right that's why I don't hear it because I'm always working Fridays one to two yeah and it's a brilliant time spot um, one to two in the afternoon yeah that's a very short show why are they doing hour long shows I am you know what I'm absolutely I love one hour you play three Fred Freddy's records and then you go home. Absolutely, yeah. I could play the whole side of a James Brown album, which people think is one track. And, <laughs> yeah, a yeah. fella cootie, well, yeah, a fella well, yeah, track. Or, or yeah. some go-go records, <laughs> Trouble Funk. <laughs> so what do you, is it, is, it, is it the Greg Churchill kind of house thing or is it whatever you want to bring to that hour on Friday afternoon? It, it's pretty much just what you could expect if you're coming out tonight. I went through this period about three years ago where I kind of wanted to like, I don't know, dabble with stuff that I used to play. Yeah. So I used to play hip-hop as well. Yeah. And, and a lot of funk and stuff. And um, I learned a valuable lesson from that as much as I had to kind of get that out of my system, I suppose. And I sort of played these Thursday night gigs at Ginger Minx. And, you know, I loved it. But people would turn up and they'd go, This isn't Greg Churchill. That's exactly it. <laughs> and what, what I learned from that is, you know what, I'm... I'm at my best when I play house. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess it encompasses all of that. Um, it would be a fun and, night to book like you and Roger and a bunch of those people of that ilk to all play what you were playing back in the day. And then you got the safety and numbers thing for the night. You know, get Roger I, I, to bust out his soul to soul sound system, UK set. I, 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 I'm not really sure. The thing is, I was playing house back then, so I suppose I, I, I would probably just go for the house. Um, I, the, the people, I noticed it on more than a few occasions. Just going, oh, hang on, I saw your name on the flyer, and and you, I could be playing house from twenty years ago, and it would still be house and the groove and the rhythm and everything that that is part of the music. And and especially in twenty seventeen, it feels like the music of the last three or four years fits brilliantly with, with, with the stuff from 20 years ago. When, when I had Murray Kamikin, because um, your journey sounds quite different. I love how you've talked about, oh, I kind of went on that kind of Electro Clash thing and then I felt the kind of house I was into kind of come on back, production got better, went back to the roots, da 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 da, da. Murray Kamik came in the other week and he was basically like, I've just stayed in the same spot for 40 years and every now and again what I'm into is kind of works and then it goes away for 15 years and then it comes back. And I kind of liked that as well. There's something yeah, about yeah, just, yeah. oh, well, I just, I just play old soul and yeah. kind of drink red wine and hang out at the decks and sometimes it's in and sometimes it's not, you know. To the future, Greg, what do you want to – it's a cliched end to a conversation, but what do you see happening? <laughs> you ask me if I'm going to retire. What are, you, what are you happening in the next few years? Oh, are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? No. <laughs> What does that even, I'll, 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 does that I'll, I'll even become, mean? No, I've become more picky with what I want to play. Yeah. But I'm definitely not going to retire, no. Okay. So what's what's on the cards for the next few years? Well, it's going to just be me playing house music. <laughs> I want to end there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Ah. Oh.